0: Part of our worship every week is the time of generosity. Not only do we recognize the generosity of our God who pours his generous love and blessings into our lives, but the opportunity for us to respond to that generosity with our own generosity. And that's part of the Christian life is being generous. One of the things I want to tell you about what your generosity is doing is that we're going to have a whole lot of kids coming back to school here at St. Luke's uh, tomorrow. It's going to be an exciting day. And the Lord continues to bless our students here at St. Luke's, not only academically, not only physically and socially, but especially spiritually. And, you know, there's an average of 200 students that receive some level of financial aid here at St. Luke's. And it's your generosity that helps make that happen, especially with the Adopt-a-Student program. So thank you for that generosity. You can give here at St. Luke's on our website, on our mobile app, and, of course, we have the kiosks in the back. And if you have a moment, go ahead and look at the number you see up on the screen and text your attendance this morning with just those three letters, G-E-N. Okay, let's go ahead and start talking a little bit more about uh, our Bible story today. Now, just as a reminder for the last few weeks in our journey through the Old Testament, we have been looking at the life of King David and then his son, King Solomon. And as you recall, I said that the kingdom of Israel was at its pinnacle, it was at its best during the time of David and Solomon. At that point, Israel was a world power, it had tremendous wealth and influence. God had blessed the reign of David and Solomon, and Israel had never seen better days. Now, towards the end of Solomon's life, however, Solomon had allowed idolatry to start to seep into Israel. Solomon had married foreign wives who kept their foreign idols, and Solomon began to turn his back on God. And the people of Israel began to do the same, and Israel basically divided its heart from God. And so in response, God divided the kingdom of Israel. And we saw last week that Jeroboam was made king over, the t- over 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel, and Rehoboam was made king over the two remaining tribes. Now the kingdom of Israel was divided at this point into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and this began a very dark time, a very dark time for Israel because most of all the succeeding kings of Israel were not faithful to God. The king soon had the people worshiping idols along with them these false gods, and after all of God's blessings during the time of David and Solomon, spiritually speaking, culturally speaking, Israel basically imploded on itself. It became a time when kings sought their own honor and satisfaction at the expense of other people. People coveted power and were willing to kill to obtain it, and injustice and tyranny abounded, and pleasure and self-fulfillment justified pretty much any decision you made to achieve it. And so today, many years later, a lot of years have gone by, and one of the worst kings of Israel is currently reigning, a guy named Ahab, King Ahab. And during the reign of Ahab, the people of Israel had drifted far from their faith in God, and many of them were worshiping the Baal gods. Now, Baal was actually more of a category of gods. Because there were many different kinds of Baal gods. There was the farm Baal. There was the money Baal. There was the protection Baal. There was a weather Baal. There were all kinds of Baals. And the people of Israel were giving up their faith in God to worship all of these false gods. And the situation was so bad that God sent the prophet Elijah. He sent the prophet Elijah to tell King Ahab that there would be no rain Not even due for the next few years because of Israel's rebellion. And the rain stopped for three and a half years. And all of Israel began to suffer. But unfortunately, neither Ahab nor the people got a clue. They did not turn back to God from their idolatry. But at the end of the three and a half years, God sent Elijah to King Ahab again, and this time Elijah said that the rain was about to come back. But first, God was going to show Israel that their faith in Baal is worthless, and he would show them that it was he, God, God himself, who was bringing the rain. And so Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a dramatic showdown on Mount Carmel, and the particular Baal God that, that he would challenge, which one was it? If you're thinking the weather Baal, you're absolutely right. Let's go ahead and see what happened. We have a video to show the story.
1: When Ahab became the king of Israel, he was the most evil king of all. Ahab led the Israelites away from God. They worshiped Baal, a false god, instead. King Ahab's evil ways made God angry, so God sent a prophet named Elijah to speak to Ahab. Elijah said, God will send a drought. No rain will fall in Israel for three years unless I say so. That is exactly what happened. God caused a drought. No rain fell in the land of Israel. Without rain, the lakes and rivers dried up. People could not grow crops in the fields for food. So in addition to the drought, there was a famine. After three years, God was ready to send rain. Elijah went back to King Ahab. He told the king, meet me at Mount Carmel. Bring the people of Israel and the prophets who worship false gods. King Ahab and the people met Elijah at the mountain. Elijah said, make up your minds. If you believe the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal then follow him. Elijah set up a challenge to show who was the one true God. The prophets of the false God, Baal, set up an altar first and put a bull on it. Elijah said, call to Baal and ask him to send fire to your altar. I will call on the Lord. The God who answers by sending fire is the one true God. The prophets of Baal worshiped their false God. Answer us, they said, but no one answered. The people danced and cried out for hours to show that they loved Baal. Shout loudly, Elijah taunted them. Maybe he is sleeping. Still, no answer. Then Elijah set up an altar, dug a trench around it, and put a bowl on it. Elijah told the people to pour water on the altar so that everything was wet. Then Elijah prayed, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you are God. Suddenly, God sent fire from the sky. It burned up the wood, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It dried up the water in the trench. When the people saw this, they fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Soon the sky grew dark with clouds and God sent rain. The one true God is not like the false gods. We do not have to work hard to show God we love him. Instead, he showed his love for us by sending his son Jesus. Jesus died to rescue us from sin, and he hears us when we cry out to him.
0: All right. This story is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 18, and at one point in this story, verse 21 of chapter 18, 1 Kings. Elijah is challenging the people to turn their hearts back to God. And he says this He says, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. How long will you go limping? Basically, Elijah is saying, Stop being so indecisive and indifferent about God. You can't live your life halfway between God and idols. How long will you go spiritually limping or hobbling along just like you're lame? Now, that word limping occurs again in verse 26. When the prophets of Baal are desperately trying to get their God to answer them, and all they're getting is crickets, they're saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped, they hobbled around the altar that they had made. Now, I don't think it's an accident that those two uses of the word limp or hobble uh, happen in this passage. If you, listen, if you try to get your, your life you know, what you want, your, your meaning, your worth, your fire for life. If you try to get that from anything but the true God, you will be spiritually and emotionally lame all your life, limping throughout your life. Now the world says, oh, no, no, no. The world says, no, no. They may call it a dance. Follow your heart. Lift yourself up. Chase after your dreams. But if it gets in the way of God, God calls it a limp. Now, I think there are times in our lives when we are limping in, in our faith. There are times that we are putting too much trust in maybe what others think about us. There are times when our finances are driving our attitude about life. There's times when we are worried way too much about what's going on in the world or worried way too much about the troubles that are, that are pushing at us and weighing on us. And maybe we try to put on a good face, make it seem like everything is fine, but inside we're limping along, aren't we? And that's because we're trying to live trusting in God, but also we're trusting in ourselves to make things happen, to get things done. And the problem is you can't do both. And when you try, you end up like the people of Israel, indecisive, indifferent about God, or maybe even upset about God. Whichever it is, you're limping through life. So are you trying to find joy in life? Are you trying to find peace and contentment? Well, ask yourself this. How much are you looking to yourself or your circumstances around you to find it? How much are you trusting in yourself? You know, it's it's hard to find joy when you're limping. Now, God sent that awesome fire from heaven that we saw in the video. He sent that awesome fire fire from heaven to show Israel that he is their true almighty and loving God. He is the one where their hearts need to be devoted. He is the one who takes care of all of our needs. He is the one we look to for all of our needs. He is the one in control. Did you notice that the fire from heaven came down and only consumed the sacrifice? It did not consume the people And God certainly had reason to be angry at this indifferent, rebellious, idol-worshiping people, but the fire consumes only the sacrifice. God holds back his wrath. He holds back his wrath because the fire of his wrath will come down on another sacrifice. And this sacrifice, this fire, will purify all people from their sins. And that fire of God's wrath came down on Jesus at the cross so that we would receive instead a purifying fire of forgiveness and love in our lives. You know, when Jesus was traveling through a Samaritan town and the people of the town were disrespectful to him, the disciples got angry and they said to the Lord, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them just like Elijah? And Jesus turned and he rebuked them. Why? He rebuked them because if, fire, if the fire of God's wrath came down on us, on humanity, it would destroy us. Only Christ could receive that fire. Only Christ could receive that punishment and not be destroyed but rise again on the third day. And you know when you see that wrath, that awesome fire poured out on Christ instead of us, When you see the awesome love that Christ has for you to accept that, to do this for you, it changes your heart. It turns your heart to look more to Christ and to recognize and remember that you are forgiven. You are accepted. There is nothing that stands between you and your almighty God. You are so loved And God has made it his personal mission to work out what is best for you in your life, no matter what is happening to you. My friends, you have the power of God on your side. He is for you. You are so protected. Your God provides for your needs. You are never alone. And in addition, you have the treasures of heaven and eternal life waiting for you. This is is the goodness that God has given to us. So let me ask you a question as I close. Are you ready? Are you ready to live this life God has given you? A life where he is intimately involved. A life where you know his love. You wake up in the morning. A life where you recognize he is in control of all things for your good. Are you ready to live boldly, fearlessly, faithfully, confidently alongside of your all-powerful God? My friends, it's time to put down the burdens of worry and fear in your life, to put down the burdens of anxiety and uncertainty, and it's time to discover where the true power and joy of your life is, where it resides, and it is in Christ. Let's pray.